These are the words I would say. That you would be strong in the Lord and never give up hope. God does have his hand on you. And never, ever forget why you're here. You are here, graduates and church, to bring his name glory. Now, yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is a graduation service. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, the graduates are up here. And yes, I will be speaking to them, but not only to the graduates. I will be speaking to the church as a whole because God is speaking to us all through his word. And as we study his word, I'd like to invite you to go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, I do want to preface this that I am not a, a great expositional, expositional preacher like Pastor Todd and Pastor Ted. I am more of like just a teacher, so I'm going to need some interaction. And so I'm going to need your help. My youth, help me out, okay, because you're kind of familiar with how I roll, and I'm going to need some help, all right? So help me out. So as we begin this, like, like as Todd said during the welcome, we are speaking about King Solomon and his wisdom. Now, uh, I do not promote myself to be a wise person. Many times I prove myself completely wrong of that. I am not a wise person, but I do know the, where wisdom comes from. And too often times I rely too heavily on myself and not enough on the true wisdom giver. Example A. Most of you know my wife is pregnant. Isn't she beautiful? She's the most beautiful pregnant lady I have ever seen before in my entire life. I'm a little biased, but she is. There she sits. If you don't know, I'll, I'll clap for that too. That's right. <clears throat> Love you. I, I just got focused away from Amanda. Yes. Now, most of you know she is pregnant. She is due July 23rd. We are getting the nursery ready. My job, well, I'm painting, I'm doing all kinds of different things. Uh, one of my tasks was to put the crib together. We got a crib, and I was putting it together. All right, and I did like any normal man would do. I just got it out. I laid it out on the floor. I had my, my box of tools. I had my drill, which I didn't have the right bit for anyway. Anyway, I had my box of tools. I had my drill. I had this stuff, and I spread it all out, and I was going to figure it out. And so I, ha- I put, I, you, know, you know, you know, guys, Work with me. You know how this goes. You lay it out. This goes with this. This goes with this. This goes with this. This goes with this. I have no idea what this screw is for. So I was doing all these different things. And I had three pieces that I had absolutely no idea what they were for. No clue. No clue. So I'm I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. And one of them was just a piece of wood. It was about this big, but it went the length of the crib. And I was like... They've skipped, they missed out on a part because I'm supposed to have two of these. There's just a little pretty piece that goes across the bottom of the crib. One on this side, one on this side. And I was looking in that box and looking in that box and, and I couldn't figure it out. Until I got the directions out. And then, immediately it clicked. Well, I don't need that piece. Yet. Because it converts into a toddler bed. That's what that piece is for. One piece, the piece that goes across the bottom. And also had the two things where the toddler could crawl into it. That's what those three pieces are for. I fooled around with this thing for much longer than I even wanted to tell you, trying to figure it out. But you know how long it took me once I finally went to the source of knowledge, to the one that created the crib, the one that made the crib, the one that knew exactly how it all fit together and exactly how it was all orchestrated together. As soon as I went there, 
I knew it. And I was like, I don't need it. I don't need a screw. That's what that goes for. It goes for this. Had I went to the instructions first, I'd have been in and out of that room in no time, and I'd have been sitting there watching me some Fox News or something, or whatever was on TV at that particular point. Everybody loves Raymond. It doesn't matter. I would have been out of the and done with the crib. Instead, I tried to figure it out on my own, in my own strength, in my own power, with my power tools, which didn't work because I had to have an Allen wrench and didn't have the right bit. So many times we as Christians do the exact same thing, the exact same thing. We rely on ourselves and we rely on, I can figure this out. And then we realize that we cannot. Then we go to the instruction manual. And we go, should have had a V8. You know the truth. You know where to find it. And so many times, we don't do it. True source of wisdom. There's a difference because graduates, you are graduating. You have accomplished something. You have gained Knowledge. You will continue, college graduates, you have gained more knowledge. High school graduates, you're going to gain more knowledge as you go into college. And it's just that you're gaining knowledge. Knowledge comes from man, wisdom comes from God. And we're going to talk about that today. So as you get your Bibles, I invite you to stand as we turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 and stand with us. 1 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to look at the life of Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 15, read this way. I'm reading to you this morning from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to, offer, used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept from him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on the throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Verse 9. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning heart so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. Verse 13, I, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if 
you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Let's pray together. Great God, thank you for this wonderful word you have given us, and we ask, God, that you would teach us something today. May we apply it to our lives, and may our lives be changed through it. And we ask this in Christ our Maker and Savior's name. Amen. You may have a seat. Now, as we walk through this, you know the situation, you know King Solomon. Solomon faced a situation that he knew he could not handle, that he knew he could not tackle. And this is what it is. Let's, let's go ahead and, and walk through this. Let's look at, before we even walk through it, let's look at the context just a little bit. What's going on through here? Now, the context, David, we know great King David, he prepared for the temple. He had gotten all these things ready. He had gotten all the gold, the, everything to build it. He had prepared for the temple that he wanted to build, but God said, no, your son Solomon is going to build it. He got the material, he got the Levites and priests ready, and he got the musicians and the treasurers ready, all this ready for the temple. Solomon was anointed king, and his father David dies. This is the circumstance that he is in. All right? Now, the first thing we need to look at is his situation. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. We're going to take it in section by section by section. I've got three things I want you to notice. The first thing I want you to notice is Solomon's situation. Solomon's situation in verses 3 through 5. The first thing it says right there, verse 3, Solomon loved the Lord. Now, ladies and gentlemen, would it be that everything that is ever recorded about my life and everything that is recorded about your life, may it say, you loved the Lord. May it say, Graduates loved the Lord. May it say the church loved the Lord. I just love that testimony. It's the first thing we see right there. Boom. He loved the Lord. And everything that follows is great. He loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. Now, if you've never heard me teach, I just go boom, 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 and explain, 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 and we'll put it all together in a minute. All right? So this is how this is going to roll. We got, he loved the Lord. Now we need to look at, he walked in the statutes of his father, David. Hold your hand right here, okay? Turn a couple pages over to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. There's two pages over in my Bible. Depends on where you, what kind you got. 1 Kings chapter 2. And we're going to look at the first three verses. David is about to die. And it reads this way. Verse 1. When David's time drew near... He commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Solomon was walking these ways. He was charged by his fathers. You can turn back to you can turn back to chapter four now, uh, chapter three. Solomon was walking these ways. He was charged by his father to do these things. Now let's keep on walking through it. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. That's that last part of verse three. He offered sacrifices and made offerings at the high places. Anybody know what high places are? 
Yes, no, maybe, kind of, sort of, but not really. All right? High places. If you do not know what the high places are, this is what they would do. People back then, they thought, okay, of course, it's really not hard to do in Goldsboro because you get something that's higher, it's, it's very noticeable. I'm from the mountains, and so it's kind of, it was just a different place. But back there, they would get, they would find a high spot. All right? They would go to Cliffs of News. There you go. There's a re- reference for you. They would go to Cliffs of News, and they would build an altar, altar there because they thought the higher you got, the closer you were to God. And therefore, your sacrifices and all the things that you made would reach him more readily. We all know this is false. But this is what they did. There was no temple built. There was a tabernacle. All, again, all context. But during this time, the place of Gibeon, the place of Gibeon was about three to four miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. All right? And people would go there to sacrifice. Moses himself set this place up in Gibeon. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. They used to sacrifice there. But... King David, I'm sure you remember this story, King David brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. Now, it was not an odd thing to be sacrificing here at Gibeon. But again, the Ark of the Covenant was not there. So why sacrifice there? This, to me, is an inkling. It's a compromise. It's something that Solomon said, this will be okay. We'll just go ahead and do this. Even though he's very wise... It's the beginning of his compromise. And it is this beginning of his compromise that we're going to talk about a little later. So hold that in your little hat. Put that little bee in your bonnet because we're going to come back to it. All right? Let's circle around right there. We're going to come back to it. Beginning of compromise. So he's at Gibeon. Keep on looking at verse 4. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place we've already talked about. Solomon used it to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Now, the bronze altar was still there. If you're any familiar with the, 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 uh, the temple, you've got to have the Ark of the Covenant and all kinds of the table of bread and all kinds. Of, the bronze altar was still there. He was actually going to retrieve it and bring it back for the temple he was going to build. But he went ahead and made a sacrifice there at Gibeon. Now, Verse 5, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Now, riddle me this, Batman. He offered a thousand burnt offerings. Was the Lord indebted to him because of the great sacrifice that he had just made? Who says yes? Good. No. God was not indebted to Solomon because this great sacrifice he had just made on the altar. We all know the greatest sacrifice was his son, Jesus Christ. He was not indebted to him. And so, ladies and gentlemen, graduates, church, you cannot, you do not earn favor with God by what you do. Graduates, it's not what you do that you're going to earn favor with God. It is Jesus Christ and him alone, grace alone. You do nothing. It is all him. So, Help me understand this. Why did God see this sacrifice and say, Ask what it is and I will give it to you? Well, all right, let's talk about it. He says, Ask, he came by dreaming, Ask, what shall I give you? But let's, let's stop here just a second and think about it. 
Solomon was in this unfamiliar territory. Graduates, you may be in an unfamiliar place. Church, you may be in an unfamiliar place. There's something presented you, and you're like, okay, now what? This is where Solomon is at the moment. Now what? He made these great sacrifices, and God says, ask. I just like to think, I always like, when I, whenever I'm reading through this, I always like to kind of put myself there, and I want to roll through my mind, what would I ask? If the Lord appeared to me and said, ask, what shall I give you? Uh, would any youth like to volunteer? What would probably be one of the first things in my mind? What is it? There you go. A log cabin in the mountains with a creek running right through it. Do they know all about it? Because I, uh, I talk about it all the time. That's what I want. That's what I was saving up for. And then, of course, that was my plans. Again, my plans. We all have something we have planned. God has different plans. Now, Solomon's in this place, and God says, ask. Let's keep on looking. The second thing I want you to notice, Solomon's request. second thing I want you to notice is Solomon's request. Now, in this request, he starts it off with a twofold recognition. He requests something from God, and he's got two things in there that he's asking about, all right? The first thing that he notices is God's sovereignty and his insufficiency. God's sovereignty, his insufficiency. And we're going to walk through that. Good. I hope you're ready. Verse 6. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in, in faithfulness, in righteousness, and an uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept from him this great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Stop. David, you have shown great and steadfast love to him. Think about David. Was he the firstborn? No. What, which, what in order of line was he? He, he was a baby. He was just a little guy. He was short, and he had red hair. If you go all and look through it, he was just a small lad. Where was he whenever his father presented all his other sons? What was he doing? Tending sheep. He was a shepherd. Well, he's the last son. They're not even going to want to see him. He's that insignificant. We're just going to keep him in the fields. Yet, God exalted him. The last one, he was tending sheep. God places him on a throne. He was the last one, never thought he would be king. He became king. And look, look, this even affects you sitting here today. Think about the lineage of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ called? He is called the son of David. God did Show his steadfast love to his servant David. Now let's keep on looking at it. I want to read verses 6 through 9. And I'm going to emphasize something. This is something else that Solomon recognized. He, also, he recognized God's sovereignty in David and all this. But there's something else I want you to recognize. And I'm going to make it pretty obvious. But roll with me. Okay? We're going to read verses 6 through 9. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept 
from him this great and steadfast love and given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my of David, my father, although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in, verse 8. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Hmm. As I was reading this, I was like, well... He recognizes God an awful lot in that, doesn't he? It's all about him, your, you, all of these things. Graduates, I don't want to burst your bubble. Church, I don't want to burst your bubble. It's not about you. It never was about you. It's never going to be about you. It is all about God. Sorry. This is your day. We are recognizing you. No, we're recognizing God's provision to you. He is recognizing God. It's all about you. You, your people, your servant. Oh, Lord, my Lord, my God. Are we recognizing him in everything Do we recognize that God has brought us to this point of graduation? Do we recognize, church, that God has brought us to this point that we were, are now, from where we were? Do we recognize the sovereignty of God in our lives in every situation? There are many situations I'm like that have happened in my life that I did not understand. Did not understand? Did not understand. I don't know if you caught that or not, but I didn't understand. There was one thing I didn't understand, and now I'm glad I understand it. Uh, I was 29 before I ever met my beautiful wife. And if I said I wasn't bitter that God had not brought me a woman to be in my life, I would be standing here lying to you. I wanted to get married. And there was a point in my life that I was almost, almost, I was mad. Because God had not brought somebody into my life. But then I met Amanda. And then we got married. And then I said, okay, God, you know better. I could stand up here and list off multiple examples of where I said, God, I don't like this and I do not understand And then he smacks me around a little bit. And then I go, okay, God, you know better. Are we placing our trust in God? Do we recognize him in everything? So just as I was reading this right here, there are 13 references to you and your in those three verses, six, seven, eight, nine, four verses, four verses. I wasn't a math major. Four verses. Thirteen. I did count that twice. Thirteen references to you and your. And I want you to notice something else. Verse 8. 
and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people, too many to be numbered or counted for a multitude. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Who did God make a promise to that he would have this many descendants? Abraham. Abrahamic covenant fulfilled right here. God is faithful. All you got to do is recognize him. God is faithful. When God says he's going to do something, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to do it. Fulfilled right here. Not only in this point of, of Solomon's request, he recognized God's sovereignty. He recognized his insufficiency. His insufficiency. This was the point that I was not at whenever I was point, putting the crib together. I didn't recognize that I was insufficient for the job. My feeble mind, which is not mechanically inclined, just throwing that out there, not mechanically inclined. I thought I could do it, and I proved myself wrong multiple times. I proved myself wrong yet again. My insufficiency. I didn't look. Are we looking? Do you recognize your insufficiency for everything? I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about everything. You are insufficient for it all. Sorry to burst your bubble again. God is the source. Let's look at Solomon's recognition of his insufficiency. Verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or to come in. Ladies and gentlemen, church, graduates, you may think you're young to make a difference for the Lord. I contend to you, you are not. Solomon was about 20 years old when God placed him as king over Israel. About 20 years old. And he said, I am insufficient. But he was recognizing who the sufficient one was and where to get his true wisdom. And he asked, he asked God, O Lord, you have made your servant king in his place, uh, place of David, my father. Although I'm a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. Verse 8, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted. Look at verse 9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. And if you go back and look at the actual Hebrew, it means understanding mind. It also means a hearing heart. May I have a hearing heart. Whenever something comes to me, may I have a hearing heart so that I may share your words. Church, graduates, is this your prayer this morning? That whenever somebody comes to you, they trust you because they know you are a godly person. They know you have sought out true wisdom. They know you are someone that they can trust and that that you have a hearing heart. Solomon had reached a crisis of belief and he needed help. And he went to the only place where this help could come from, and that is God Almighty. He was living out what he would later write in Proverbs 9.10. These words from Solomon's pen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He was living these words out. Not only was he living these words which he would pen later, he was living out the words that James would pen as well. Later in James chapter 1, Verse 5, it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, 
who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Amen and hallelujah. He is faithful. Let's continue to look. Third point. Solomon's blessing. Solomon's blessing. We've already talked about his situation, his request, and let's see what comes through all of this. Look at verse 10. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and you have not asked for yourself long life, or riches, or life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. Keep on looking. 13. I will give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. Let's stop right there. Solomon, God recognizes Solomon's request. Solomon was living out the words of Jesus found in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and they read this way. But seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will happen? All these things will be added into you. Solomon didn't ask. He said, you see that guy over there? I can't stand that guy over there. God, I want you to smite him right now. He didn't ask for that. He didn't say, God, I want to have treasure troves full. Although he did. He didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for selfish things. He asked for God's wisdom. He didn't ask for vast knowledge because knowledge is for man. He asked for God's wisdom. And it was granted to him. And guess what? He not only got the wisdom, but he got even what he didn't ask for. Hold your hand right here again. Turn a few pages over. 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4. And look at verse 29. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. And it reads this way. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the rest of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrite and Heman, Calcol and Darda, the sons of Mahalah, and his fame went to all the surrounding nations. And you can finish reading that of of all the Proverbs he wrote and all the songs and all the different things that he wrote. God is faithful to his word. He said he was going to do it. Guess what? He did it. Keep your hand right there in in chapter 3 and turn just a few more pages to chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. And look at verse 23. 1 Kings chapter 10. Verse 23. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. 
Do you believe God's going to do what he says he's going to do? God is a faithful God, and he will do it. Look, he did all these things. Now, turn back to chapter 3. Turn back to chapter 3. And look at verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. And if, if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Those of you who are English majors or you just like grammar, if-then statements, right here. God had told Solomon, if you do this, then I will do this. And we all know the story. I, I would like to read to you. This, this is something that they were all familiar with. Uh, you can turn here if you want to, but I'll go there real quickly. Uh, it's Deuteronomy chapter 17, and I'll read it for you. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14, and it starts off like this. This is the law. Deuteronomy, ditto, second giving of the law. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14. It's talking about the law concerning kings. In verse 14, when you come to the land that the Lord your God has, is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose, one from among your brothers, and you shall set a king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you, who is not your brother? Look at verse 16. Here you go and listen well. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses since the Lord has said, you shall never return to that land again. Verse 17. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And you can continue reading the rest of that chapter and what the king should not do. Now, go back to chapter 3. Go back to chapter 3 of 1 Kings. And just go with me a little bit in the life of Solomon. What happened to Solomon? He had, I'll read it to you, in chapter 11. King Solomon loved many foreign women. Along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite. Sidonian and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them. Neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Verse three, he had 700 wives, princesses and 300 concubines. Again, I'm not a math major, but that's 1,000. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of who? David, his father. Look at verse 6. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high 
place. Remember that bead in your bonnet you're supposed to be remembering? Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. Compromise. He compromised. He forgot his first love and went running after other things. He was influenced by the world instead of going out and influencing the world. Graduates, church, as we go out, as you go to this new place that you're going to, I want you to be an influence on the world and not let the world influence you. Church, as you go out into your workplaces, as you go home to watch TV, as you go to the grocery store, as you get on a plane, as you work to do whatever you do, may you be an influence on the world and not allow the world to influence you because look at the folly that it can bring. A wise man that wrote thousands of proverbs and thousands of songs and built the temple of the Lord. And yet, guess what he did? He compromised his faith. And it is forever recorded. Remember that thing we read first that was talking about Solomon loved the Lord? And then it says Solomon stopped wholly following after God. May that never be what's recorded or remembered about us, graduates, church. May what is remembered about you be he loved the Lord and he followed. And you're sitting there thinking, Keith, that's really, one person really can't make that difference. Think of the Apostle Paul. What kind of man was he? And then he met the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he did not compromise. And guess what? He wrote 13 books of the New New Testament and influenced. He's influencing you and I today. As you read through your New Testament, he's still influencing people. Martin Luther, he didn't want to compromise. Salvation comes through grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. He could not compromise that. He went and nailed that up on the wall of the church, door of the church. And guess what? You are a benefactor and a beneficiary of that. Billy Graham. Did you know Billy Graham didn't recognize, didn't believe in his heart of hearts that the word of God was true and infallible until his college days? He did not say that the word of God is is inerrant, infallible, until he was in college. Now look at the millions upon millions of people that have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because one person didn't compromise. And they followed hard after God. Graduates, church, may that be our prayer. May that be what we do. That is my charge to you this morning and my challenge to you as graduates and church. Don't compromise. Love the Lord and follow hard after Him. Maybe you don't even know this great God we're talking about, this Savior we're talking about. Jesus Christ came to die for your sins on a cross over 2,000 years ago. All you got to do is believe in the sacrifice that He made. Believe that. Turn and repent of your sins. That means don't ever do them again. Try not to do them again. 
and follow hard after Him. Maybe you've never surrendered to Him today. I invite you to surrender to Him today. Maybe there's something you need to talk with Pastor Todd or myself about. We're, going, we're fixing to close here. I'll pray for us. I'm going to ask Pastor Todd to come up as well on this side. I'll be on this side. If you would like to come and pray with one of us or talk with one of us, we would be glad to talk with you. Don't chat. Don't compromise. Let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, we love you this day, and, and we ask God that you would continue to use such sinful people to honor you, to bring you glory. Would you guide us now as we go out from this service? Father, may we not compromise. May we trust wholly in you for everything. And may we constantly be seeking wisdom, wisdom that comes only from you. Would you guide us now? And we ask these things to be done in the precious and holy name of Christ, our Maker and Savior. Amen.